Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. We are so happy to have you here with us today. If you've been with us before, thank you so much for coming back. If you're new, then we could not be happier to have you join our community that is building here at Relation Fix. We're here every Monday, so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any of the amazing episodes we have planned for you. Leave us a review or a comment. We would love to hear what you think. And if you want to share our episodes with your loved ones or really anyone you think could relate to them. Before we get started on today's episode, I just want to do a little housekeeping. Our beloved, beloved Frank, the producer, has decided to take some really big steps towards his dream of becoming a super successful author. So unfortunately, he's had to take a step back from the Relation Fix team. As sad as this is for us, we believe deeply in following your purpose. So we wish him all the best and we cannot wait to read his books. Hopefully we can convince him to sneak into an episode here and there just for old time's sake. So Frank, you're amazing. You've got this. We 100% have your back and we wish you the absolute best of luck. That being said, today's episode is probably one of the most important episodes we've done yet. It's a topic that impacts really every single relationship you'll ever have throughout your life. And that topic is trust. It's such a small word and a huge concept. Most of us have people that we have chosen to trust in our lives, and we probably have had people who have broken it. It's something that takes time to truly build, and it can be dashed in literally a second. So what is trust? Let's break this down a little bit and talk about its components, and can we rebuild it once it's lost? So number one is what is trust? Well, trust, when I was first looking at this, I wanted to say, what is the definition of trust? So I went to the dictionary, right? And the dictionary said it's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. That's kind of like a nebulous definition. It wasn't really something that struck me. But the one thing that did stick out in that definition is the word belief. So in our third episode of Relation Fix, we talked about core beliefs and how important they are in our lives and our relationships. They shape who we are. They shape how we behave and our experience of the world. They are also changeable and not always based in fact, but instead are often our interpretations of our experiences of the world. So if trust is in part a belief, that can make it an even shakier concept. Charles Feltman wrote a book called The Thin Book of Trust, and he came up with a definition that I like even better. I wanted to find something that was really dedicated to what trust looks like in relationships. So he says, trust is defined as choosing to risk making something that you value vulnerable to another person's actions. Whoa, that is a really huge concept and it sounds scary, but it's also really important. So it's a risk. It's also a choice. In his book, he also defines distrust, which I think is also an important definition. And he says, distrust is what is important to me 
is not safe with this person in this situation or in any situation. Now, what I really love about this definition is it's specific and not general. He's talking about a singular person rather than the collective of people. So often we really like launch distrust out to everyone in general rather than as an individual. So now that we have an idea of what trust is, we can give ourselves like some sort of definition. Let's try to break it down a little bit in order to create some language around it. One of the things I notice the most when working with my clients around issues and relationships is that we're often using the same words, but they don't mean the same things. And so sometimes we need to create some language or a construct that allows us to break things down in a way that we can both understand. So when you say, I don't trust you, what do you mean by that? You can give examples and talk about the other person's behavior, but trust also sometimes is a feeling. There's an uneasiness. So let's look at the different components and see how that plays in. Number one is accountability. Accountability is a huge piece of trust. Can you hold yourself responsible for what you say and what you do? Can you understand that the things that you do have an impact on other people? They have an impact on your relationships. We often say, and I've said this many times, is I'm not responsible for your feelings. I can be respectful of them, but I'm not responsible for them. But in reality, holding ourselves accountable for our behavior is understanding and acknowledging that what we do matters to other people. The tough part about accountability is that we are often faced with our own inadequacies in that space. Now, the hard part really for us is that our society has made accountability really rare and really difficult because of our intense need for punishment. So I could do a whole podcast on the justice system and the way that punishment looks like as a consequence for actions in this country, particularly when it comes to people of color and how it impacts their life. But that's that's a whole nother podcast. But what I want you to understand is that because of our intense need for punishment, our society has made accountability really difficult. How can we hold ourselves accountable if we feel that we're going to just be punished and crucified for the mistakes that we made? There has to be a space for redemption and for mercy. So in the space of accountability, when you're talking about uh, the micro level of a relationship, if you want your partner to hold themselves accountable for their behavior, it's your job to make it a safe space for them to do that. And if you want to hold yourself accountable for your behavior, then your partner needs to do the same. So it looks like this. If I am holding myself accountable for a behavior, then if the other person is going to hold a grudge and be angry with me or hold it against me, withhold love and punish me for my behavior, it often makes it really hard to be accountable. Now, obviously, there's going to be a consequence for making mistakes, as there is in our society and in relationships, but we need to make sure that the punishment is not overdone. 
one of our basic human tenets that came from our constitution is no cruel or unusual punishment, which oftentimes we do not live by in our society or in our relationships, to be honest. I know that I have punished people very cruelly in the past. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's not a great space to be. And it does not create a safety level that the other person can respond to. The second thing in trust is reliability. Can I count on you? Will you be there for me when it's most important? Will you do what you say you're going to do? And the most important piece of reliability is not doing what you say you're going to do, but it's doing what you say you're going to do again and again and again and again. You have to be consistent. You have to consistently show up. If you show up 50% of the time, you're not going to be as trustworthy because reliability is a huge piece. If you don't show up for me or I feel like I can't count on you, trust is really weakened. This is a huge thing for me. I know that reliability is a really big piece of trust for me. The third thing is authenticity. Now, why is this important? Because this is you showing up and being fully honest about who you are. You say what you mean, but you say it with love and compassion. You're open and honest with others about how you feel. You don't avoid conflict. This is how you allow people to really get to know who you are. For me, I have often felt like I'm too sensitive, I'm too much, and so I spent a lot of my life hiding myself, putting on a mask. Can any of you relate with that? The idea of wearing this facade, like I need to cover myself up because I I feel insecure or worried about this piece of me and I don't want you to see it. I feel ashamed. But what ends up happening is, is you create this false sense of self on the outside. You're not authentic, which makes it really difficult to trust you. Because if people don't really know who you are, then they can't trust you. When you show up as your authentic self, you will help people figure out who you truly are, and they can truly love that self, the real self. When we create the mask or this new persona or facade, right, What ends up happening is we end up sowing false seeds because we show this other person, oh, this is who I am, this is who I am, but it's not really you because inside you're not telling the truth. You're not being authentic. You're not being honest. So this person falls in love with the facade, the persona. And the trouble with that is over time, it gets really hard to hold up the facade. I don't know if any of you have felt this way, but it gets really, really hard. And then as you get older, it gets even harder. I know for me, when I got into my 40s, I was like, forget it. I don't even have the energy to hold up this facade anymore. This is me. This is who I am. But it's really hard for the person that you're in relationship with because as the facade comes down, they start to say, who are you? I don't even know you. And then it feels like a rejection. Like they step away from that because they don't recognize the person they're in relationship with. And it causes so much trouble. And it can often end relationships because then what happens is the person who had the facade to begin with feels like, see, I'm always rejected. This piece of me, I finally show it. 
and they don't want me. They, they want to get rid of me. They don't want to see me anymore. Not understanding that the problem really started with the seeds that happened in the beginning, the seeds that were sown that were false seeds. It wasn't that they rejected you. It was that they didn't know you. So authenticity has to show up in trust. People need to know who you are. If you feel like you can't really know who someone is, you will never really be able to trust them. Authenticity is fantastic. And when you cover that up because you're ashamed, it creates this really vicious cycle of not being able to show myself. And then when I do, I'm rejected. And it reinforces that feeling of not being good enough. The next piece is being someone to confide in. To be truly trustworthy, people need to feel like they can tell you things that they're afraid of or they're ashamed of, and then you won't take that information and go tell it to everyone else. Gossipers are often considered some of the least trustworthy people, and we all know why, right? It's really easy to see. Gossip in itself is a really interesting concept, and I I want you to kind of think about it in terms of a power shift. When someone is gossiping, they often do it to feel more powerful or more significant in their life. It creates a power shift differential. So for the person who is gossiping, when they have this secret or information that the other person doesn't know, an internal feeling of superiority arises. You can see that other person sort of move themselves. Oh, you don't know this? Well, let me tell you, hey, guess what happened last week, right? And then the other person, you become very significant because the other person's going, oh, wait, wait, what happened? And so we get that attention. We get that significance. We get that burst of power. But that person also becomes inherently untrustworthy. So it might give that person a boost, but you also know that that person who's listening to the gossip, they're not going to trust you with any of their things because they know you're going to go to X, Y, and Z and say it. So that really breaks down trust. The last concept I want to talk about is contribution. Contribution is a big piece of trust because it allows you to see people differently. We all understand the concept of contributing to something more than just ourselves, but this concept to me is even bigger. When I think of contribution, I think of putting my partner's pain before my own. This can potentially be an unpopular opinion. I am, I don't love it myself sometimes, to be honest. But in reality, when you move yourself into that space, it can really transform a relationship. It can really build so much trust. When you live in a place of contribution, you see other people's actions differently. You tend to assume better about them. You give them the benefit of the doubt. You judge them less. You see their behavior as separate from their intention. And it helps you act from a place of love, care, and compassion. So in a relationship, especially an intimate relationship, you've chosen to spend your life with this person, or at least a portion of it. And in this intimate relationship, you have to make a decision about this person. Who are they at their soul level? Who are they at the base of themselves? If you know that at the base of themselves that they are a really good person, so like in my relationship, 
I know that my partner really wants the best for me and really loves me. And if she shows up in a way that is not her best self, if she's irritable or judgmental, that's never her intention. I can call her on her behavior, but from a place of contribution, I give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm generous in my assumption of her. I get to look and say, this is never her intention to hurt me. Her intention is pure. She's just in pain. She's having a really hard time. She doesn't understand or doesn't get it. She's having, she's afraid. She's having a hard time herself. It allows me to move into a place of compassion and empathy and step into this person is hurting and I can see that. Now, people are going to have a hard time with this concept because what happens is we say, well, we are now leaving ourselves open to other people hurting us, which is true. It's true. When you trust, when you're vulnerable, it does leave you open to be hurt but it also leaves you open for the best things in life like love and joy and happiness because that's what happens in that vulnerable place too. That's the space of connection and it takes courage. Being in a place of contribution requires that you focus on how your partner is feeling and acknowledging their pain. Oof, that's a tough one. That's a heavy piece and hard to do. And I have to say, I've known about this concept for a long time, and I still work on it on a daily basis. And sometimes when I feel stressed or tired or overwhelmed or just in pain in some way, I don't always show up that way. And what I hope is that she shows up in a way where she steps into contribution and understands that maybe I'm not in my best space, but that's never my intention to hurt her. So think about a relationship where two people are showing up in that way. It's not a panacea. It doesn't make everything better, but boy, it can really, really help. And then how much can you trust someone who gives you the benefit of the doubt, who allows you to make mistakes, who allows you to show up when you're not your best self? It's a beautiful space to be. I want to talk a little bit about the betrayal of trust. Like, what does that look like? So trust can be, sometimes you can break it with one big thing, or it can really be broken down over time with a lot of little small things. Betrayals are definitely the things that we think of that are big, like lying, cheating, someone gaslighting me. That's such a huge thing right now. Being ghosted, big betrayals, things like that. But betrayals can be really small things too. They, they can hit and chip away at the foundation of trust. Those are things like little criticisms digs, little little pieces where you say these little things that over time kind of chip away at your connection. Being consistently disengaged. We all have such busy lives and we're going, going, going everywhere. And what ends up happening is we get so busy that we don't recognize that our focus on our relationship has gone by the wayside. We get so wrapped up in the status quo or work or trying to find some sort of balance or just feeling really overwhelmed and needing some downtime so we just disengage. But if you do that too much over time, it really feels like a betrayal. Withholding love is a betrayal. And that's something that we all do. Men tend to be particularly adept at withholding love, especially if they're frustrated. But women do it too. We close down. Attempting to control people's behavior 
when we feel insecure or we feel uncertain, we're going to attempt to control the things that everyone else does in our relationship. You need to do this. You need to do this. Why did you do that? Why did you do this? Why don't you do the things that I tell you to do? Why do I have to keep talking about this over and over and over again? Why don't you just do what I told you? We try to control things and in order to make ourselves feel more confident, more comfortable, more certain, but that chips away. They can't trust. They don't feel safe with you. They can't trust you in that space. These smaller things really can erode trust over time. And it can make the relationship falter because the foundation goes and eventually it could fail. So that brings us to the question, can you rebuild trust? How do you do this? Is it possible? And in reality, these questions are not that easily answered. They really aren't. There are certain things that you can try to do to rebuild things that are lost, but you never 100% know if you can. I want you to know That trust requires vulnerability, but when we lose trust, we often feel very unsafe. That's where that uncertainty comes in. We can feel unsafe emotionally or mentally, and even in extreme situations, we can actually feel physically unsafe. And when we're enduring this type of uncertainty, it can be very hard to be open and be vulnerable, but it's absolutely necessary. Instead, sometimes we really push our loved ones away. We put up walls for protection, and that just makes a bigger gap. We have to open. It's like the movie Frozen when she's like, open up the gates, right? Look how vulnerable Elsa was. She was so scared and so worried that she didn't think she could trust people but she knew she had to open the gates. And it was really hard. It was a journey. I don't know if any of you watch Frozen. I have an eight-year-old, so I saw that movie many, many times. But if you think about it, relationships are very similar to that. We have to open up the gates. We have to be willing to let it in, which can be hard and scary. I know it's difficult, but it's necessary. And it's also important to really know that both partners need to be on board with this. It can never work alone. There are things that you can do to become more trustworthy or build trust, but if it's really dashed, then both people have to be on board. There has to be a communication piece to it. One of the very first things that you must do in order to regain trust is move from focusing on your own pain to focusing on your partners. Both partners need to do this. Most people don't think this way, and I know this is going to be controversial, Knowing what I know about relationships and doing the work that I've done, I know this is true. Relationships are where you go to give, not receive. Oh, I hate even saying it sometimes. It's really hard. It's a very unpopular opinion. And a lot of people don't think that way because they think I have needs. I want to get them for my relationship. That's why I'm in it. But in reality, relationships are where you go to give, not receive. If you focus on what you need to receive in a relationship, your relationship becomes transactional. It's like you're going to a store. A transactional relationship is a space where you say, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And if you don't, then I'm going to withhold. I'm going to withhold my love. I'm going to close down. I'm going to put up walls. It's just not a loving or trusting relationship because you're always waiting for reciprocation. This is a good example of how this works, right? 
We've all heard of the honeymoon phase of a relationship. Well, what is that? You know, what is the honeymoon phase? It's where things feel so good, right? You've just fallen in love. You're in this beautiful place. You're both fully present. You're fully focused on each other, not yourself. And when you're really in this space of love, you would walk to the ends of the earth for that person. And you're not even asking for anything in return because just the idea of giving to them is enough to totally light you up, to totally fill your cup. You're just like, oh, I I would do anything for you because it just makes me feel so happy. So what happens? Over time, human beings, we suffer from the law of familiarity. If you spend enough time around something or someone, you start to take them a little bit for granted. And we start focusing on what the other person is or isn't doing for us. And then we feel insignificant, unloved, unhappy. This is often a precursor to those bigger betrayals we talked about earlier. You know, the lying, cheating, gaslighting, those types of things. It often starts with this refocusing on our own space instead of focusing on what our partner needs. Tony Robbins says, I know I quote him so much, but he just, he knows so much about relationships and it's really interesting. He says, if you are in pain in a relationship, you're focusing on yourself and not your partner. And my experience of this myself, taking these concepts into my own relationships, that's 100% true. I know that when I'm in a bad space in my relationship, it's because I'm focusing on my pain. I'm focusing on my overwhelm. I'm focusing on what my partner is or isn't doing for me. And people need to hold themselves accountable for their behavior. And certainly if your partner isn't showing up, that can be really hard. But it creates so much internal pain for you. It's not just about the other person being there. It's about How do I create a space for myself internally that when I come to this relationship, I bring love and compassion? Trust is such a huge concept and it has so many pieces. So when you're trying to rebuild trust, one of the things that you want to do is understand what it means when you say, I don't trust you. Ask yourself, what behaviors am I seeing in this other person that causes me to not trust them? Write them down. Be specific. Take out your notebook. If you're having trouble in your relationship and you feel like, I really just don't trust this person, what is it that's coming up? And I guarantee you, there are going to be patterns, there are going to be behaviors that you can specifically look at and see and say, these are the things that are causing me to not trust you. Maybe they're not being reliable. Maybe they're not holding themselves accountable for their behavior. Maybe they're not giving you the benefit of the doubt and they're, they're hard on you when you're having a hard time. Maybe they went and told some coworkers this really vulnerable thing that you shared with them. What's the behaviors? What do you see? Once you have these behaviors lined up, then you can attempt to address them directly. One of the ways that you can do that is by setting boundaries. Now, I don't mean that you should set a boundary in your relationship to create a wall, but there needs to be a conversation about what is okay and what is not okay. So in a friendship, if you have a friend who is not showing up for you in the way that you want them to, you get to talk about that. So 
we'll use this example. If I have a friend and I'm the one who's constantly reaching out to them and they're never reaching out to me, I might feel like this other person's not putting in any effort. And that really bothers me because they're not reliable. I don't feel like they're contributing to me and to our relationship together. So I'm going to set up a conversation with them. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say, I really wish that you could reach out to me a little bit more too. I, I don't mind reaching out to you, but when you don't respond to me or you don't reach out to me, it makes me feel like our relationship is a little one-sided. That's an initial conversation. Once you have that conversation with someone, then what you hope is the other person becomes cognizant of that and changes their behavior. And so hopefully she starts reaching out to you a little bit more. She starts sending things to you a little bit more. She starts making that connection and filling in the gap. And that rebuilds that trust because you're stepping into a place of contribution. But what happens if the behavior doesn't change? Then you get to make a choice. Now, I want you to understand that if you set a boundary, but you don't tell the other person, then it's not a boundary. What you say to the other person is, this is okay with me. This is not okay with me. This is the line in between, and this is the consequence if it doesn't happen. So in a relationship, if you're in a fight and you say to your partner, I really don't like it when you yell at me. I don't feel like we can have a good conversation if we're yelling. It's not okay with me that you talk to me like that. So if you start to yell at me or raise your voice, then I'm going to step out for a little bit until things calm down, and then I can come back. That's a boundary. Now, now that you've set that boundary, you have to uphold it. That's your responsibility. You can set a boundary all you want to, but then you have to uphold it. So the next time you're in a heated discussion and the other person starts yelling at you, that's the moment. If you stay engaged in that space, then they're going to know that you don't mean what you say. You're not being authentic. And so that's your responsibility in that moment to say, you know what, we kind of, we've kind of talked about this before. I think we both need time to cool down. It's getting too heated and I, I'm going to step away for a minute, but I'll be back and we can talk about it then. And it's your responsibility to walk away. I'm not saying that the other person is going to be happy about it, but if you want to maintain the integrity of the relationship itself, then it's something you have to do. You have to be willing to tell people. That's part of being authentic too, setting boundaries, right? That's saying, this is how I really feel. I can't sit here and pretend that this is okay when it's clearly not okay. We do that a lot of times though when we decide that we're gonna people please or we're worried about what the other person is gonna think. We, We won't be authentic. So This is a piece of reestablishing trust, is being able to say what you mean. Go back to those five components. Are you showing up in the way that you need to? Is the other person showing up in that way? And use those pieces to say to the other person, "This this is what I'm having trouble with. That's a rebuilding space. We asked a couple of questions on Facebook as a way to kind of find out, what do you guys think about trust? So the question that we asked was, how do you know you can trust someone? And let me just tell you, 
there were a lot of answers. People had lots of things to say about trust. And generally speaking, there were kind of two big camps. The first was trust your gut. You have to trust your gut. You have to trust yourself. You have to go inside and decide if this is a person that you want to trust and go from there. And then the other camp, the other big camp, which I know I shouldn't have been surprised by this, I don't think, but I really was, was the other camp was you can't trust people. You can't. There's nobody you can trust. And that kind of blew my mind. And if you look back on some of the concepts that we've been talking about in this episode, trust takes a lot of vulnerability. And so for me, when I, when I think about those people that say you can't trust anyone, I think these are people who have been hurt. These are people who have been hurt in the past and have put up walls and boundaries to keep themselves safe. Seth D., when asked, how do you know you can trust someone, said, I don't know, in quotes, when I can. Trust has nothing to do with the other person. Trust is completely on me. It's my decision to trust somebody or not. Nobody earns it. Nobody breaks it. It's my choice to trust or not. 100% of the time. It's interesting. It's an interesting comment because I can see how much he's taking personal responsibility for it. He understands that that's his choice, which is true. Trust is choice. Trust is faith. Faith in another person. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes it does. The only thing that I disagree a little bit with on Seth is He says, nobody earns it, nobody breaks it. I don't know that that's true. You can earn trust. Trust is something that can be built and rebuilt. It is our choice to take part in that or not. I I agree with you, Seth, on that 100%. But there are things that we can do that make us inherently trustworthy or inherently untrustworthy. Thank you so much for your comment. Another one came from Alexa, and she said, I don't think there's one formula. I think there are different levels of trust for different people. You're trusting different people with different things. For example, I trust my spouse with my life versus I trust my coworker to meet a deadline at work. I have different levels of trust for different people. Totally. I love this concept because it's not something that we really covered, but certainly there are different levels of trust that happen. The different levels of trust, you know, obviously if you're in an intimate relationship with someone, you want to be able to trust them with your life because this is who you chose to spend your life with. But there are people that we're around every day, like coworkers or the public, if anybody who works in retail or if you work in mental health, like there's certain times you can trust people and certain things you would not trust them with. And there's different components. You know, you might really trust someone to be reliable. They show up when they're supposed to, but maybe you can't trust that they're going to keep a secret or that they're going to keep your confidence. So we definitely have different levels and different things. And it gives us an opportunity to kind of talk about how trust works in that space. So thank you, Alexa. I think that was a really good comment. The last one I want to mention I find it really interesting, and I I love it, is William W. They said, if by trusting, you mean ignoring the nature of humanity, then never. If by trusting, you mean you are willing to take a certain amount of risk to invite others to build a deeper bond with you, then always. I kind of love that. I got to be honest. 
Because what I think that William is saying in this space is that the nature of humanity is that we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. We're going to do things that hurt other people. We're going to disappoint people. We're going to make people angry. That's the nature of relationships. In this space, we will 100% of the time do this in relationship. There's never going to be a relationship where we don't mess up sometimes. We just do. But if trusting it means you're willing to take a certain amount of risk to invite others to build a deeper bond with you, that's 100% what trust is. If we look back to the definition of trust, it's putting something that you value in the hands of other people's actions. That takes risk. But that's the space where you build deeper bonds. And isn't that what we all want? I don't know anyone who doesn't want to have love and kindness and support and connection and compassion. It's what drives us. It's so, so important. So fundamentally, I think you can see that trust is vulnerable. It's scary. It's risky. So why do it? Why do we even try? And you can see that, you know, the people in the you can't trust people camp, they try to avoid it altogether. But I want to ask you, how does this impact your life? For those of you who listened to our core beliefs episode, Frank talked about his belief that you can't trust people 100%. This was a core belief for him. This was something that made sense to him and was started when he was young. We talked about how this has impacted his life so far and broken down some of the relationships that he's had in his life. And it's been really hard to manage. We also did a visualization for how that could continue to impact his life moving forward. And essentially, it kind of broke down to this. If you're not willing to be vulnerable and trust people, you won't be able to find real love or joy in your life. You just won't. I know that it invites in the potential for hurt, the potential for pain, but it also invites the best pieces of life. To me, One of the greatest tragedies of the human condition is not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to make connection. To never have love or joy, life is not worth living like that. Yet so many people do. So many people do. It doesn't have to be lived that way. It requires vulnerability. It requires opening. Trust is a big piece of this. You can't have one without the other. This is really just the tip of the iceberg on the discussion of trust. I think we could probably do like three more episodes really diving into each concept. And I'm going to encourage you to dig more on your side too. Dig deep into it. Look at the value of trust, why it's so important and intrinsic to us as human beings and how it plays out in your life. If you want to read further on this and see what the research says, Brene Brown, I've mentioned her a couple of times in this episode, and I I talk about her a lot. She has a talk called The Anatomy of Trust. It's on YouTube. You should 100% listen to it. And she kind of breaks it down in her own way. And she's written about it in many of her books. Also, the book that I mentioned at the beginning by Charles Feltman, The Thin Book of Trust, super interesting as well. He has four components of trust that he talks about. And of course, I'm going to put all of this info in the show notes as well. In closing, I want to say that taking the risk 
to trust other people is vital to our survival and our happiness in life. Love and connection is the base of who we are. We're hardwired for it. It's our evolutionary advantage. So taking the risk to trust other people so that you can bridge the gap is vital. I know it's hard, but it's really worth it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with just me kind of coming at you with (laughs) the information that I think is really, really helpful. And I really hope that you're going to come back next week for another episode of Relation Fix. Until then, be well and see you next time. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones. 